everybody welcome to the no name music cast my name's tim and this is joy and before we get into our topic of the week which is my choosing this week we're gonna do a tip of the week because we always like to do a tip of the week and i i have two tips of the week for you tip of the day tip of the week oh, I, say tip of the, I say tip of the day but it's like because it's of the day that we're doing it but we post our podcast every week so maybe this should be an official title change of tip of the week i don't know yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first tip, and it's just a statement, be kind. That's 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 all I'm saying with regards to that. And secondly, my tip of the week is, I may have mentioned this before, but I'm attempting to watch every episode of Mythbusters, and mm-hmm. I'm getting near the end. I'm 30-odd episodes to the end, and it is kind of rough. It's got to the point it's where it's... It's worse towards the end. Oh, it's terrible. But my, my, my tip is... Stick with it. <laughs> See it out through the end. See it out to the end. Don't bail on it. Just if, if you've got your Discovery Plus subscription that you got free from Verizon and then you hope you was going to watch all the episodes in six months before you had to start paying for it. And six months later, you're still paying for it because you can't plow through these episodes because there's like 300 of them. <laughs> Stick with it. And at the end of it, you'll feel some kind of accomplishment, though you will probably be disappointed because it got rubbish about four seasons in. Okay, so we need to have this conversation. I want everybody to hear this up. So not related to any of our tip of the day, just about things becoming rubbish as you watch them. So there's a show. It's called Dope Sick. And Tim and me have also talked about, what is her name from um, the, what's the one with the the lady with the, um, the one you didn't want to watch because you thought it would be dramatized. What is her name, Tim? Oh, um, the, the, the one about Elizabeth Holmes and, and Theranos. Yes. So we were having this conversation. There is this, I read this book. It's called Dope Sick. And we live in Southwest Virginia in Appalachia. And there's been a big push about the opiate disorder and things like that in our area. There's a book. It was called Dope Sick based off the opiates. And I was very dedicated to this book right tim like i love the book i thought it was great i there was literal doctors in it that i had nothing about and i was all for it and then hulu got a hold of this show mm-hmm. and when hulu got a hold of the show i watched one episode and i was so upset because what they did was one they over dramatized what should have been dramatized there's a lot of heartbreak and a lot of things that go into this opiate addiction that we don't need extra freaking dramatics right tim like we don't need it mm-hmm. we don't need it but then it was like making it was very focused on appalachian people and there was a thing up there was an lgbtq thing that made us look bad like i don't need to go into the details but i was not a fan they took what should have been a simple kind of thing and made it into the dramatics. And it's kind of like what Tim was saying about the show he's watching is towards the end, why does it always get so dramatic? And he said he didn't even want to watch the Elizabeth Holmes thing because he was worried it was going to be overly dramatic. And I feel like that's what happened with Mythbusters. At least I'm wrong, but that's what I thought. I think it got more dramatic. Well, what happened with Mythbusters is that they upped the budget and they upped the spectacle. And at the beginning of it, they had... Yeah, science. I guess the spectacle is a better way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because at the beginning of it, it was science experiments and it wasn't so much about the personalities. It was about selling the story of the myth that they were busting. But what happened is it got very popular and it just became spectacles of mostly explosions, to be fair. I think that's a better way of saying what I mean with the dramatics. It just became over the top. Yeah, and that's what happened. And it just... And it's like, this week, we're going to bust the myth. If we put C4 in a car, will it explode? Next on Mythbusters. And it's just (laughs) like, where was the thing like five seasons ago when you was talking about barometric pressure and exciting things that kids could learn about? Obviously, if I put C4 in this car, it's probably going to (laughs) explode. Exactly. Exactly. So I took a turn for that. But that's what I was getting at is I struggle with that, too. It's hard with TV shows. You really like when they jump the shark, right? They just become overly dramatic. Mm -hmm. That's very sad that dope sick was ever really dramatic from the beginning we are not sponsored by any of these tv shows so <laughs> what is your topic <laughs> well before i get into the topic i'm going to do a cd of the week so uh, 
Okay. I've been doing a CD review the last few episodes, and as this we all know, CDs are my preferred format to listen to music. And I heard that Spotify went down yesterday for a number of hours, and a it lot did. of people were freaking out about that. And I was sitting back with my CDs and my MP3 collection, and I was like, <laughs> eh, did it? I don't know. I have no idea. Tim's <laughs> prepared for World War Three. Continue. <laughs> okay, so so this um, this CD I'm going to review this week or speak about is Brian May's Another World. Now, this was his second solo album. Back to the Light was his first. Another World was his second album. And this one didn't, it probably wasn't as popular as his first one. There was only one sing single that came off it, which was uh, On My Way Up, which was the only single that was released on this album. It was actually- Which used... I am a little bit familiar with. Yeah, yeah, it was used on a TV program. Um, I think this album is stronger than, um, his first album and he's got some great songs on it business is a great song china bell's a great song um cyborg is great and then you've got a track here the governor which has jeff beck playing on it as well so, so i've been why do you feel like this is not this is under like sold versus the other one well i, th I feel that back to the light got a lot of press because it was his first solo album and it also had the mm -hmm. single of driven by you on it this came out four or five years later and i think some of that luster had started to go he did tour this and i saw this tour that was supporting this album at the albert hall in 1998 and that was actually a pretty good gig but shortly you know he toured this and then it kind of faded off and then he lost interest in being a solo artist mm -hmm. but he is going to um reissue this in april and a big, a big deluxe box set is coming out. It's being remastered, et cetera, et cetera. And I've actually already pre-ordered the signed box set because I'm a geeky fan. But I would say, check this out. If you, uh, It's probably on YouTube if you want to find it on there, but certainly all the streaming services will have it from April. So this is my CD of the week, Brian May's Another World. Wonderful. I was just curious why you thought it was different. So that makes sense. There we go. Okay. So we're going to get into this week's topic. As I said, it's my turn. And I've sort of taken a bit of a cue from what Joy's topic was a number of weeks ago. So she did a thing where it was like random words. And then you had to think of, think of songs. Now I've sort of extrapolated that a little bit. We had some feedback from our listeners that they enjoyed that. So what I've decided to do, I've got eight songs and Joy has got eight songs. So what we're going to do is that we're going to mention a song to each other. And then it's our job to tell either something about that song to each other or a story. Okay. I kind of wondered, I was like, I feel like this is a play, but I was also really wondering, I was like, so what Tim told me was, Find eight songs that you feel like I may know, but they're not very obvious. And so I spent a lot more time on these eight songs than I probably should have. Because <laughs> <laughs> I overthought it, but I'm very excited because I'll be curious to see what you say. Okay, so so the story can either be completely unrelated to music. It could be maybe the first time you heard it. It could be it reminds you of a person you know or someone you worked or, or something you did. Or they're wearing traffic cones on their head. Ex exactly. So something along those lines. So okay. I'm going to start it off first with Joy. So Joy, you you get to give the first response to this one. So again, okay. I I went through and I pulled some songs that I thought that you would have heard of were not terribly obvious ones. So. I'm going for the first one, and it's Dire Straits' Money for Nothing. What what memories does that conjure up? I have very specific memories about this one. So I also, I love this song. Let's start there. But there was a person I lived with as a roommate previous years, right? And he was learning the guitar. And for some reason, this was his muse. This was a song he thought he was going to, he loved Dire Straits, right? Mm -hmm. Like absolutely adored Dire Straits, thought it was the greatest thing ever. So when I lived with him, I had to hear this song on repeat, but it was like the bad guitar version of it. And it says that like he knew, you know, when you're learning a song, Tim, and I'm guilty of it too with the ukulele, you kind of know the chords and the songs that you, the chords you know really well, go really well. Then you get that one chord that's like, eh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you keep going i had to hear this so this was a person who lived with me and he lived in the basement i lived upstairs at this apartment complex I had to hear this song on repeat 
nonstop. <laughs> we're going on six months. Of Blitz Star. I'm, and as a musician, I mean, I couldn't say anything because I wanted him to learn this. But it's like, I swear to God, if you don't freaking learn this song, it's not even that complicated. <laughs> I'm going to go down and take that guitar from you and teach you what you're doing. My God. That song has very distinct properties for me because I distinctly remember this person. I will not call him out because he may actually listen to the podcast. He's someone who's a good friend of mine. He's a good musician. And he may listen to the podcast. Tyler, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going to name it, but you just did. <laughs> Who's Tyler? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> hmm, who could that be? <laughs> uh, no, Tyler's fine. He's a cool guy. But I re- distinctly remember for at least six months of my life, I had to share this song, my guitar. But he finally got it and it sounded great in the end. So I guess he put the work in, Tim. That's all that matters. Fantastic. And in fact, I, I, for, for, for the guitar geeks in the audience who think the sound of Money for Nothing is unobtainable, let me explain to you how to do it right now. This is a no-name music <laughs> artist. Tyler, you're listening. Here you go. <laughs> right. What you need is you need a Gibson-style guitar. You put it on the bridge pickup. You bind the tone knob all the way off. You plug your guitar into a tube screamer. Nerdiest thing I've ever heard of my entire life. <laughs> yeah. You plug the guitar into a tube screamer-style pedal. You plug the guitar into a Marshall-style amp. And then on your mixing board, you boost the mids ever so slightly, and then you triple track it. And then that is the money for nothing opening riff tone. I I was trying to record it. I didn't know how to do it. I found a YouTube video explaining all that stuff. And then when I put it in the computer and played it back, I was like, wow, that's how it's done. No, it makes sense why I spent six months working on it, Tim. <laughs> get it now. I get it. <laughs> All right. All right, Tim, tell them about Bad Man Majama. What yes. makes you come to mind when you get that? That was a that was a song that I remember from, I suppose, is that, is that a, I suppose it's 70s, isn't it? Yeah. It it's was one, 70s. Yeah. It's one of those songs I sort of remember being around when I when I was younger. It was on the on the on the radio. We used to listen to the Capital Radio when when I was younger. And it was like something you'd hear on the on the radio quite often. And yeah. it's got that kind of like funky kind of groove type thing going on, on with it. And I don't know. It just it's, it's one of those songs that maybe would take me back to the late 70s it's not like angel eyes that song that i was about with roxy music song but Mm -hmm. it does it's like a it's like a capsule and i'm sure when i was on the isle of Wight listening to a (laughs) kc and the sunshine band i'm sure that would have been on the dj's rotation there so back when i was in high school whatever the european or christ clue it is like 15 years old um secondary school i guess um we we used to have this one teacher who would do music trivia every day and there were two songs she played that no one else got tim and it was she's a bad pajama and then it was white wedding Oh. And I remember distinctly, I said, she's a bad man, Majama. And everybody was like, what is she talking? Oh, I have another funny story about that. But she was, everybody's like, what is she talking about? And I was like, you guys live much different home lives than I did. And then, oh God, it's playing in the background. Um, she was like, she was also played White Wedding and nobody got it. And I remember her going, oh, my God, do you like it was like one of those I can't say she was like, hell, yes. Like she did, couldn't say because she was my teacher. <laughs> but I knew what White Wedding was. And she was like, cool, you pass. <laughs> pass. But the other one was I remember there was also there was a few times where we would do that. And there was this one girl in the class, Tim, and I'm going to give her a props. Her name is Hannah. She was actually really good at her music trivia. Mm-hmm. But there was these really obscure songs that she she was quicker than I was because I was shy. This is that I wasn't as popular as she was. So I didn't want to speak up as much. And I remember that we were in another class and there was a everybody. We were doing like a Jeopardy and you got extra points on your final. You got this right. And this was like we were taking college classes at high school. And it was this thing where he gave the thing and it was more than words extreme. Mm hmm. Or maybe it was Mr. Big. I don't remember. One of those, you know, one of those bands. And I remember saying it. And everybody was like, everybody in my high school was like, who is she talking about? And then I got like half the class, like 20 extra points on the final. I was like, thank you. I'll be here all week. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Tim, that's what I think of when she's a bad man. All right, Tim, what is my song from you? Yeah. So uh, the next song I've got for you 
So I've got some that are a little less obvious, but a couple that I thought, you know, that you, you will obviously know. So okay. I'm, I'm going to go with this one. And it's a classic, but it's the Weather Girls, It's Raining Men. Okay, so of course, of all people, I would know the Weather Girls. Here's my first thing here. Um, second of all, my favorite part about the Weather Girls story is the women who are singing it did always get credit for the song, so that makes it even better. But I do have to seek memories of this song because I'm one of those people who... When you bring me around and maybe there's alcohol flowing and I was 21 years old, I tend to put the 70s music on. Mm -hmm. I was a disco girl at heart. I'm a disco girl at heart. Thank you, mother. Um, By the way, my father has also, I need to tell everybody this. We're going to, we're going to pause for a minute, Tim. It was, so I saw my parents this weekend and they need to put a caveat into something I've said in a recent episode. (laughs) When my dad hit me in the head with a with a, um, a board, it was not a two by four. Oh. <laughs> I may have remembered it as a two by four, but it was not. All right. That's what I was saying. My mother made me listen to disco a lot. I'm a big disco girl. So for me, it's rating men. It's always been a like if I'm pre-gaming or I'm going out to a club or whatever, it's always been in my soundtrack. So for me, it's just a go-to. Really. My favorite part though is the fact that like the women in it are not your stereotypical female, like basically skinny, I'd say sexy singers that are very, oh, you know, voluptuous women. And they didn't always get their credit, but their voices are freaking fire. Yeah. And you know what? I think it. I think it's from a time back, you know, early 80s, late 70s, that kind of time where there were a lot of vocal groups, if you like, who didn't fit the quote unquote mold. mold of you know attractive women attractive men that kind of thing and in fact i had that same thought i was watching a video of michael mcdonald um i forget i, I think it was from what a fool believes or, or some song like that and there was a promo video for it and that's a great song and he's an amazing singer but i thought to myself do you know what these days that's never going to happen because that mm-hmm. guy isn't 22 years old he's not a model good looking guy and then people don't want to put a poster of him on the wall so they're never going to release that kind of music it's really sad exactly and it's really sad because their voices are fantastic the story is great it's just a great all-around song i don't know anyone who's ever said god i hate that they played it's raining men <laughs> and you know an interesting fact about it's raining men it's co-written by paul schaefer who was uh david letterman's musical director I didn't know that, but that's cool. Yeah, he, he's not the complete writer of it, but he, he co-wrote it with somebody else. But it's like two two dudes wrote that song. And isn't the girl who sings on it also like there's a bunch of ni- early 90s, like kind of pop hits. She does background vocals for her. like you do research on her. But the sad part is, is I feel like she's always been one of those who's kind of been held in the background. But that's neither here nor there. But yes, great song. Always makes me in college pre-gaming because I always put on the 70s disco. I'm a big It's Rated Men. I'm a big uh, Donna Summer. Like that kind of thing is my go-to tip. It's it's my bread and butter. So you picked a good song. There we go. Okay. So, Joy, I'm handing it over to you. I'm hoping third time will be the charm with this, that you will found something that I that I know. So, see, when, I, when I was saying not pick the obvious, I was thinking of, Joy, don't pick Bohemian Rhapsody, pick but Dragon Attack. I really Attack. thought you would know those. I really did, Tim. I thought you would know those songs. Okay. You know Sunshine, Superman, Donovan. Yes, I do. Okay, good. That's my next song. God. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't think I was going to throw it out for that one. I really know those other two songs really well. Anyway, what makes you think what you think of Donovan? Continue. Well, when I, so I think of Sun, Sunshine Superman, it, mm-hmm. it makes, obviously makes me think of Donovan because that's the guy who wrote it. Yeah. And But the, the song of his that I always like the best, well, there's two. There's Hurdy Gurdy Man, which is probably my favorite Donovan song. But, I... me, but Mellow Yellow is the track that, I knew long before I knew that Donovan was the the singer. I like Season of the Witch, too. Yeah, that's a good song. But but I think for me, Hurdy Gurdy Man is the one I really like, and and Mellow Yellow is is the one. Now, this might sound ridiculous, but the... (laughs) The first line of Mellow Yellow is that I'm, I'm so mad about Saffron and Saffron's mad about me. Now... 
I've known that line and I've sung that line and it was not that long ago. <laughs> 15 years ago, maybe 16 years ago. It wasn't that long ago when I worked out that when he sang the name Saffron in thinking it's a girl or a partner or something like that, that means yellow. It means yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those moments too. It was like, wait a second. Yeah, and I, I'm not. I'm maybe somebody who misses the point sometimes with lyrics because I listen to a, lots and lots of music. I listen to music all day at work. I listen to albums continually. It's on at home. We have it on in the bedroom before we go to bed. We have everything. It's music, music, music. Besides, let it whip. Apparently, yeah. Apart from that song, <laughs> but for me, often the lyrics take a while to sink in because I'm, I'm I often am focusing on the music mm. rather than the lyrics. So it's one of those things I'd heard a thousand times. And then it said it was just like I heard it one time and I went, oh, yeah, that's what he means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Saffron means yellow. Because saffron's like a flower, right? Or like a weed or something that's yellow. Yeah, because you get saffron rice. I, I think I think it is like a flower or something like that. Something about that is a yellow dye type situation. But anyway, okay. Well, I'm glad I found a song that Tim knew. Not that I'd ever think I'd ever come up with a song that Tim didn't know. <laughs> and I'm still convinced you know the songs. You just didn't know them by name. I'm convinced you do know. It's, it's right. very possible. All right, Tim, what's your song for me? Okay, so this one is Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison Blues. Hmm. So there was this guy I went to high school with. And hear me out. I grew up in Southwest Virginia, everybody. And, you know, Johnny Cash is like a staple in this area. There's this one guy I went to high school with, though, that was convinced he was the next Johnny Cash. Great guitarist, great singer. And he put on this stage show that was very Johnny Cash. So he had people who played with him. He even got someone who was a great. So when you grew up in the area that I so in Galax, there is this thing is called the Fiddler's Convention. It's the world's largest Fiddler's Convention in the entire world. So like you have a lot of people who play like hardcore fiddle or hardcore bass or, you know, harps, not harp. What is the thing about the stand up? Like, Tim, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, like a T-chest bass. Yeah, that kind of thing. So those kind of people, harp, that's literally not related at all. Don't know where I got that from. Well, harp is um, harmonica. They're, they're, like the, the the familiar name for a harmonica is a harp. Yeah. So anyway, what I was getting at, though, is so you have a lot of people in this area who are big on that kind of thing. And there was a guy I went to high school with, Tim. I was in love with this dude. I thought for sure he was going to be the guy I married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I don't even remember what your name was, friend. <laughs> Back in the day, I was in love with this guy. Thought for sure I was going to be his muse. He was like five years older than me. Don't know why I thought this, but I thought he was going to be my Johnny Cast muse. And he developed, like, he got a bunch of people from Southwest Virginia. They had this cool band. He sang and he did like a really good, because, you know, there's a lot of acts that do like a Johnny Cash kind of thing, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Like, how many female singers have you seen with a male singer do Jackson like we're going to Jackson like that's a common thing and like modern society he did a really good job of it he ended up going to the Marines I'm pretty sure after all this was said and done but I was convinced this and me and this boy we are going to be lovers forever guess what didn't happen he doesn't even know my name he was five years older than me I don't know why I was attracted to him for some reason though Johnny Cash and this guy <laughs> I was like this is my lover I'm dead set for this guy he doesn't even know who I am Tim. So that's what I think of what I think of also Pleasant Brew. Also, what I think of all Johnny Cash songs <laughs> as a whole. I don't even know what happened to his. I don't even to this day, Tim. I can't tell you what his name was. I don't remember. I, I think maybe after after this episode wraps, you should uh, you should do a deep dive uh, Facebook research <laughs> session and find this guy. I know he was in the military and he went to. Um, he's on my Facebook. What was his name? Doesn't matter. I'll find it after. He was in the military, was in the Marines, like did like, you know, he grew from all of this. But I remember he developed this band and performed multiple times on multiple weekends at like 16, 17 years old and was playing this kind of Johnny Cash outlaw kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And 14 old Joy was like, I'm married to you for now. <laughs> <laughs> Never said more than three words to me in my entire life. 
What a story. Joy, it was never meant to be. You and Johnny Cash Jr. was never meant to be a thing. I never even got to sing Jackson with anybody. Like, I could totally do a Jackson. Like, you know my voice, Tim. I could do a Jackson thing, but I've never got to do it with anybody. If anyone's listening and would like to perform Jackson with me, now's your chance. There we are. (laughs) (laughs) Try me insane, Tim, because I really don't remember what his name was. All right, Tim, here's your song. Let's let me give you one that Tim knows. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think I love you, the Partridge family. Hmm. So the, the, the Partridge family, I remember that being the, the TV show being on and it was like, again, it's like sort of seventies type thing. And that would be something that would be on probably on ITV or Thames television or something like that. I remember the, the, the Partridge family, but the most recent memory I have for that song and the Partridge family um, itself was I recently bought a wholesale box of CDs. Now, I sometimes do this, and I think it's like 30 bucks, and you get 100 or 150, and they, they mm-hmm. ship them out to you media mail, and you get this huge box, and it's completely random. Now, most of the time when I do this, you end up with like two that you like and a lots of empty boxes that you can use for other things. But this recent box had maybe 20 or so, which I actually decided to keep, and the rest which I gave back to the Goodwill or threw out if they were in really bad conditions. But one of them was like the complete hits or the complete something of the Partridge family. Hmm. And it's actually a really good compilation album. I'm not really one for, for compilation albums. I like the actual proper works of an artist. Yeah. But I was surprised to find it in there. And I've listened to some of the tracks on that, and that is actually some pretty good stuff. I mean, you wouldn't think it would be, but I don't know. There's some good tracks in there. I mean, I like the Partridge family, and I think I love you. But, I mean, it's one of those most iconic songs. I don't know anyone who's never heard that song. Sure. And, then, and in fact, when I was when I was listening through it, I mean, I, I thought that was a great track. And, and and I said I was surprised. And then in fact, the issue this the, of the CD was a recent one. It was maybe three or four years ago. And, it, and they go for you know 15 bucks on eBay or what have you. I mean, I feel like the Partridge family is one of those things I forget about. To be honest, like it's like they exist and I know they exist. But then when I hear them, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty quality. And what's interesting about the song, I think I love you. And maybe Tim, as a musician who's spent a little bit more time in the recent years thinking about like the actual music, there's something very interesting. There's almost like a very dark tone to when it's like, I think I love you. There's like a chord progression in it that makes it kind of sound a little dark in places. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. You know what it's like? It's like um, what a lot of people will liken the Partridge family to the Osmonds. It's a very similar Mm. kind of idea. And like with the Osmonds, they were really wanting to do hard rock. And, you know, like Crazy Horses is is a hard rock song, Mm -hmm. which was really what they wanted to do. But of course, they were doing stuff that, you know, the record company and TV and what have you expected them to do. So maybe, maybe they did have, they were moved, the Partridge family were moving in that kind of darker direction, but they were just just hinting it because they were within the confines of their uh, producer and record contract and all that kind of stuff. Makes sense. There's just a lot of dark chord progressions in that specific song that I could think of on my head. All right, Tim, what is your song for me? Okay. So I'm going to go with this one. This is a cover, but this is the iconic cover that you would know. And this is Joe Cocker's with a little help from my friends. Which is amazing. So I tend to prefer the Joe Cocker's version over all the different versions, you know, they exist. Um, It's one of those songs that I always, I always equate to, and this is probably just my own brain. Have you ever had those moments in your childhood or your teenage where you just feel like you've done something with your friends and it bawled you forever and there's nothing you could do to change that? Mm-hmm. That's what I equate this song to. And the reason I think that is, you know, I just get by with a little help from my friends. So there was this girl's house that um, was the party house. I'm just going to tell you the truth. When I was younger, she lives in the middle of Southwest Virginia. It doesn't matter. We always went there. Her mother actually was not a bad mother. She took care of us. Nobody was doing drugs or alcohol. It's just a house we chose to hang out at, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Like, I, d- I never even had my first of alcohol until I was 21 because I was so sheltered as a kid. But anyway. 
<laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> anyway, so what I'm getting at though, Tim, is I remember this distinct story of so we okay. we broke the law, Tim. <laughs> but we we weren't legitimate. There's about ten of us. We all went out. It was the middle of the dark night. And if you live in South Virginia on a back road, Tim could tell you it's very dark. There's no street lights. This is backwards Southwest Virginia. So we're all walking. And I remember walking and walking and walking and walking. Well, we come up on this house and there was a pond and everybody in the group thought it was a good idea to get in the pond. Why this was a good idea, Tim, I don't know. We were young. Mm-hmm. So everybody was getting in the pond. And as soon as we went to get in the pond, the guy at the house flipped his light on and saw all of us, right? And screamed at us, he's going to call the cops. Oh. So we all jumped out of the pond. We all ran back. And I distinctly remember this story because my twin sister fell because more than family luck. And um, she skinned her knee really bad. There were literal like um, pieces of gravel in Brandy's knee. And I was carrying her going, we don't have time to worry about it. The cops are coming. <laughs> Goodness. And I was yeah. like, we got back, we picked gravel out of Brady's knee. <laughs> and the only thing they had at the house was um rubbing alcohol. Oh. So that's what we put in her knee and bandaged it up. Of course, she screamed at the top of her lungs, multiple rocks in her knee. But those are the moments that, like, I think about when I think if I get by with a little help from my friends, because those are the moments that, like, everybody thinks of as a a teenager i think you know what i'm talking about tim like we all did it we know what we we're doing we all ran but it's like they they set them in your brain and like we all were like oh we gotta go we gotta go we're carrying for i don't know that's what i think of when i think of that song fantastic i i uh well i remember it because we played it at vw woodstock i think it was 2004 with ian husbands and frequency and we we learned it for that particular gig. It was a VW Beetle Festival. So when I think of that song, I think of the performance we did at VW Woodstock. And in fact, our version of it was immortalized on their official DVD of the event. So that was kind of cool, too. Well, yours is completely different than mine. <laughs> <laughs> mine was about Brady getting rocks in her knee. I don't know. I feel like that song just summarizing what everybody feels like with their really good friends that have helped them in those moments. Sure. So is that what I think of? I don't know. Absolutely. All right. What, what, what have you got for me? What a fool believes the Doobie Brothers. Ah, so this is a, I, I love this song. This is an absolutely fantastic song. song. And, yeah. And I mentioned Michael McDonald earlier, but um, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's, a, there's a couple of memories of this. One, that I, I have a video. I'm, this will never, ever be seen because I will never be allowed to show it. <laughs> but my, my wife has a, has a video of a fake beard that she got some, somewhere that goes with like a beanie hat and a fake beard. And then she has a video of herself singing this, wearing this fake beard. And it is absolutely hilarious. That's adorable. Secondly, pretty adorable. There is another podcast I listen to called Band Geek. And I don't think the guy who runs it actually posts new podcast episodes anymore. But he is the Mm. guitarist for Blue Oyster Cult. It's a guy called Richie Castellano. But okay. I think he, he he releases videos on the internet, and he he his videos that he does are incredibly high quality. And he he did a co- he did a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, he did a Spinal Tap thing for Halloween, and he said he's done a bunch of different things. And then he he also did a cover of Hold On, which is again it's almost accurate to the original, but they made a funny video that goes with it. But they covered on there what a fool believes. And as per the other things that he's recorded, the quality is first class. Like he's matched the track completely because he's an audio engineer. He's he's a fantastic guitar player, singer, songwriter. So he he must be nice. <laughs> yeah, he has the skills and the technology to do that stuff. But but what he did was made an incredibly funny video. He lives in Staten Island, New York. And it's and he recorded it in a McDonald's close to him. That him and his friend are both dressed up as Michael McDonald with fake beards and the whole thing. <laughs> I just always hear Michael McDonald's like voice. I hit the table. You guys hear that? That's me, Joy. Don't 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 edit it out, Tim. That's just Joy being excited about Michael McDonald. But anyway, um, 
I always feel like when I hear about Meg McDonald, I can't not hear his voice, Tib. I like that. That sound, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's goes... <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Whatever Tim just did, it's how <laughs> Michael McDonald sounds at all times. <laughs> I banged my table in effort to make that a point. But yes, that's what I think of what I think of Michael McDonald. I mean, I love it. His music's great. It's not to insult him, he just has a very distinct sound. He does. And, I, you know, I'm going to post this video in the in the Facebook group because it is utterly hilarious. But, you know, what's funny. I was listening to Michael McDonald today. He did a couple of Motown covers albums. I know what you're talking about because I've seen them. Yeah. I've never listened to them, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I've listened. I was listening to uh, one today and he and he was covering Motown covers, but in his uh, Michael McDonald voice, like he's doing Stevie Wonder. He goes, I was born to love you. And it's the best thing ever. Tim's Michael McDonald voice will go down in infamy. Do I bang the table? And Tim sounds like Michael McDonald. Sums up the podcast. <laughs> oh lord oh, i feel man. like i gave you that song i gave you that song tim all right <laughs> now that i've laughed so thor- thoroughly what is your song for me tim okay so this one is from 1991 and this is pearl jams jeremy oh that was dark tim yeah well it doesn't necessarily have to have a dark tale that goes with it I know, but it's a dark song, man. I mean, I it's one of those songs that I feel like no one knows what it means. Mm-hmm. Because like Pumped Up Kicks, we talked about that one not too long ago. I mean, it's literally about a guy. But the other thing is, is I will give Pearl Jam prop, props on this. I'm not a Pearl Jam fan by any stretch. I, they're not one of my top fans. They're not someone I go out of my way to see. But that song has been used so many different times because – it's speaking about what's happening and like what a person may or may not be feeling is the way I feel about it, Tim. So while it is dark, I do think it's valid. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it needs to be said. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think a lot of casual rock listeners wouldn't necessarily know what the song is about. No. I mean, we don't have to get into it, but it's a guy, Jeremy, you know, he went into school one day and shut up the school. We don't need to talk about it. Sure. But I think that, when it comes to art for me, I feel like sometimes people get upset when people make art like that or talk about things. But you know what? It's happening in art. It's a reflection of who we are and what's happening in society, right? Mm-hmm. So someone needs to talk about it. Someone needs to say about it. No one, someone needs to, and what Pearl Jam did in this song and what they did so well. It's expressing those thoughts and those feelings that even people who did cheat up the school have had every once in a while when you feel outcasted or no one's taking you seriously. I mean, I grew up as an outcast in Southwest Virginia and I never shut up at school. But what they did in the song, Tim, is they brought those thoughts and feelings to the if you take the time to listen to it, they did it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm getting at. It's a beautiful song. And I love Jeremy um, as someone who's an advocate for not, I mean, advocate for just paying attention to what you're hearing and listening to it. Make sure you understand what's going on. But I'm not a big Pearl Jam fan. I never have been, but that is one of my top Pearl Jam songs because I think they did it beautifully. And if you're going to do a song like that, that's the way you need to do it. Sure. I mean, I'm not a big Pearl Jam fan at all. Ian from uh, Radio Freak Jam is a massive Pearl Jam fan. That's he was like talking his... about that one night. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was around the time, you know, I was playing with Ian and Frequency and stuff, and he'd often talk about Pearl Jam. And I sort of did dived into the Pearl Jam world you know, on his recommendation. And, you know, I discovered um, Pearl Jam's 10 album in particular. Mm-hmm. And you've got Black on there, which is another song we used to which play. Which is a great song. Yeah. yeah. And the whole of that album, a, a Porch, Even Flow, it's all, all of 10 is fantastic. I do, I have gone off to some of their other albums and musically they're good, but I don't think they really ever reached the kind of height they had with 10, unfortunately. I mean, like, verse, yeah, I Versus is good and, you know, there's some good stuff, but, but- I think. The few singles they had, Tim, I think were beautifully done. So I might understand why Ian really likes them. Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes, as we've said before, 
a musician or an artist will just hit hit you and it's you love it and you don't have to justify it it's just it's what it's important to you so some somebody might be going around saying do you know what boney m is the best band i've ever heard and it really speaks to me and there's <laughs> okay, and do you know what Millie Vanilli. <laughs> yeah and do you know what if you love boney m and you're a boney m super fan you enjoy it that's joy joy is convinced that oh i asked him one night y'all don't understand the weird sh- stuff tim gets from me what i asked him if you were being killed on the electric chair what song do you want to play (laughs) he was like what it's like so let's say they pay-per-viewed your killing what song and i was convinced that i wanted rasputin by bodie to play tim was like joy go to bed (laughs) it's 3 a.m i don't have time to think about this But I'm convinced that if I were ever electrocuted and it were put on pay-per-view, I want it to be Bonnie M's Rasputin <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Not that anyone wondered, but that's what I thought. It's kind of like, so what it was is I was watching, you know, like when someone's electrocuted, Tim, you get your last meal or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, what is my last song? And I said, if I had to pick one, it's Rasputin and Boney M, which I know Boney M lip synced and they're not a real bit. I know all the details, but anyway. <laughs> I think I'd probably, at this juncture, I think I'd probably go with the snowman's hokey cokey that we discussed <laughs> on an episode a few episodes ago. But there you go. <laughs> the other one I would look at is, oh God, it's with the, she comes a hot stepper, murder, I'm the liquor cakes. Do you know it's a hot stepper, yeah, Tim? Yeah, yeah. That would be the one. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. I feel like it's like snow or something. Whatever. The band who sings Hot Stepper, that's the other one. It's <laughs> like the humor of me could like just die. Like I'm literally being electrocuted. You're, it comes to Hot Stepper. <laughs> I'd have to make a joke out of it. All right, Tim, is it my song or your song? I don't remember. Enjoy. It's, it's your, your turn to pick me a song. Okay. Okay. I had a few. Let me think about this. Okay. The Shoop Shoop song by Cher. Shoop, yeah. So I remember this. So this song was from the film Mermaid or Mermaids, I think it was, which was a film that, that Cher starred in. It was one of the very few films that I have seen, and I remember it. <laughs> and I remember Cher having a stellar performance in it. So I know it from that. Also... Back when I was in Moroccan Soul, which is the band mm. I was in with Linda Jagger and John Jagger and um, Dion and Al the Bass, you know, early 2000s, that kind of time, early to mid 2000s when that band was really going. Okay. I used to run the disco and that's where I honed my DJ Caesar on the on the wheels of steel act. Because <laughs> we used to get really good gigs. Linda used to book some absolutely fantastic places. We used to do weddings, we used to do parties and things okay. like that. And they would expect a cheesy disco in the middle. And I really honed that act with that band. And you, and really, as we've discussed before, if you're doing that, you need about 20, 30 songs and play them vaguely in the right order and it's fine. Yes. And the Shoop Shoop song was <laughs> one of my standard disco floor-filling songs. So he goes, A minute you play that and everyone's like, yeah! And they're having a great time on the dance floor. And when I hear when I hear that song now, as well as that film, more than that, it takes me back to those gigs we used to play. You know, we used to I said it was weddings and all that kind of stuff. And then one time we drove up to Blackpool and did a gig. And it's like it was good times, good people, fantastic musicianship and <laughs> me running the disco. And the other thing about the disco is this is before. I want to say MP3s were mainstream. I did have an iPod at some point during my disco years when I was doing it. Yeah. But, but I, all my songs were burned onto CDs and I had a twin DJ CD deck and then you could cue one up and then you'd hit a button, then one would stop and the next one would start and you could cue it in your headphones and stuff. I had the whole setup. And I mean... That song specifically, when it comes to Cher, is much more disco than other Cher songs. Sure. But but what my main memory of that time and that setup is that though it was CDs, some CD players, if you knock them, they will skip. Yeah. Once you get in your car, don't do that because they have like a shock memory, so it doesn't do it. But, But some decks... 
if you whack them, they will jump. <laughs> so you or imagine you just had those old school ones that you're walking around with. Yeah. So you, so you imagine like most of these stages you play, like like if you play like a big fancy wedding, they will build yeah. a tent and then they will put like a some kind of staging thing up, and that's where your gear is. So yeah. what would happen is you would have a full dance floor, possibly dancing to uh, the shoop shoop shong possibly dancing to it's raining men or something like that and then john jagger the uh the the singer guitar player in the band who was kind of how can i put it he's kind of like heavy-handed i suppose so like he would he would like jump on the stage to tune his guitar and i say john be careful when you walk past the cd equipment all right mate and he'd just jump on it and then the thing would skip and then there'd be like (laughs) A second of silence. Now, a second <laughs> is not that long, but a second is very long when you have a full dance floor and the music stops. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent. I'd be like, you just hear shh, 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 like shoes going on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it so? I mean, I get it, and you know, everybody's looking at you like as a DJ, and you're just like. It'll, it'll come back. It's all fine. It's give fine. It just, just let, it, let it catch up. <laughs> give it two seconds and you're going to be back to your boogie. <laughs> I love that, though. I, I mean, I'm a share lover, so I, I appreciate any share things all at all times. Yeah. We don't deserve her. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So what's your sock? Okay. So this one is slightly different. Okay. Um, this is from our friend John Williams. Okay. And this is the main intro music to Star Wars. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a memory of Star Wars or anything to do with Star Wars, but when you hear that, what? Where does your brain go? Family Guy. <laughs> so there's this Family Guy episode where they they rip off Star Wars. I mean, that's all I think of. So. I am in the camp of Andy. <laughs> I love that, that I am not a Star Wars Free Jam fan. I'm not a Star Wars person. Don't come for me, Internet. It's just not my thing. It's not that I don't like it. It's just not my interest. And I feel like it's one of those things that people feel like you should be interested in. Do you know what I mean, Tim? Like, it's really Star Wars. Yeah, it's. The, I, I get the same thing where people spool off these films to me and quotes from them and say, and then I say, they say, Oh, you've never seen that. And I was like, no, Oh, you should see that. That's, that's iconic. You should see that. And I'm like, I I don't interested. So that's how I feel about Star Wars. But I always think of the family guy episode. So, but the other thing I think of is just classic, that Star Wars intro. So the Family Guy episode did it, but it's always like the the words going across the screen. You know what I'm talking about, Tim, as like the, the reels being, that's what I think of. That's legit what I think of. I just think of that reel. But I also, um, I mean, I have watched Star Wars. And one thing that I will say is my nephew, when I was, so I grew up with a nephew who is basically, so my older sister had him when she was a teenager, so he was more of like a little brother to me because the age difference wasn't that different. So, because there's seven years between my older sister, she wouldn't care if I said this. Like, she doesn't care. It's, Juan's 18 years old in the military now. It's way past. But anyway, so my nephew Juan, he was obsessed with Star Wars as a little kid. And he used to play Star Wars Lego nonstop on the computer. Nonstop. My favorite thing was the cantina. You had the cantina band. Mm-hmm. And I just seem to remember Juan screaming at me going, hey, Joy, come in here. And I was literally helping him wash dishes in the little cantina. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember Juan was obsessed with Star Wars Legos. And, like, the little things he had to do were just so minute. And it always cracks me up, Tim. With video games, and I'm guilty of it too. I've seen Charlie do it. It's all wanted. Why is it washing dishes in a video game is fine, but we don't want to wash dishes in real life? Because <laughs> nobody wants to wash dishes. That's why. <laughs> but like, if it's a game and we're being timed, don't we have to do it? I don't. Because <laughs> you're just moving the controller. It's not like you're getting your hands wet and cutting your fingers with knives and things. <laughs> well, to me, I probably am cutting my fingers with knives. Tim, you have to know, I got a, I got an injury the other day. So I have like missing skin all over my knee. I ran in the car and Charlie goes, oh no, run back to the house and get the keys or the wallet or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I barrel out of his little Prius because I'm in the passenger seat. And when I do, my knee goes straight across. So the Prius is like a golf cart, mind you. 
I do not drive the Prius. Charles is Prius. It's like golf with gas prices right now. I'm not mad about it, but (laughs) (laughs) at the moment I went out, I was like, run back inside, get this. And I, so I ran back inside and what I did the, um, what is it like on the passenger side? The, um, you put things in the thing you open the glove box glove compartment. Yeah. That's normally. So my knee took that off. I hit it really hard as I was running out of the car because I tried to hurry. Took the entire skin off the top of my knee. (laughs) It hurt so bad for like three weeks. That's my most recent injury. Um, I don't know what that has to do with Star Wars. Don't even know where I went with that. Don't know where that came from. Well, I would like to controversially give my list of Star Wars films in order. Best to worst. Okay. Here we go. Star Wars. The Star Wars Holiday Special, <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back, Rogue One, um, The um, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens. There are no other Star Wars films after that. That will be very controversial. That's controversial choices and controversial words, but there we are. Still comforts him, Internet. Joe has no clue if it's controversial, but he says it's controversial, so it seems controversial. All right, I'm going to give Tim a song. It is, let's see, I've got like four left. Um, you make my dreams come true, Hall and Oates. Oh, I love Hall and Oates. I was listening to Hall and Oates' H2O today. Mm. And... Again, for Hall & Oates has a memory for me that when I was running the disco for the band I was in prior to the one now, Hall & Oates featured on that playlist. I didn't actively run that disco. I just put some songs on an MP3 player, but uh, Man Eater and stuff like that was on that playlist. But yeah. I, I think one thing that Hall & Oates reminds me of, and this might be a very bizarre memory outside of the fact I love Hall & Oates, is that when I first moved here, there was a time when you could go into Goodwills and you could get good quality records for like 50 mm-hmm. cents, like really good titles, not just like the junk that you get now. There was You could go through and pick out really good quality albums. Okay. And I picked out not long. We hadn't been living in, in Christiansburg for very long, but, um, but I picked out two albums. Both of them were Hall & Oates album. One was a, Abandoned Luncheonette and one was like Best of Rock and Soul Volume 1, which has that track on it. And I still have, I think I still have the um, Best of Rock and Soul Volume 1. I think I still have that in my collection. And I don't know, when I hear that song, it, it reminds me of when I first moved to this area. And the fact that you could buy cheap records for 50 cents. But mostly that it reminds me of moving to this area and, you know, getting set up. And we just moved into the apartment that we lived in at the time. And I don't know, it just reminds me of that. Well, I was actually, so I saw you earlier when I said my dad gave the, um, let me make sure if I knew is I did hit my daughter in the head with the two by four. <laughs> dad, I made sure that happened. We were also discussing hollowed oats this week with my grand, my grandparents, my parents. Cause so what it was on Sunday, I went to eat dinner with my parents. And so they listened to podcasts and they're like, Hey, Joy, could you just clarify a few things? <laughs> but anyway, so we were discussing Daryl Hall and my theory that he is the um, actual um, villain. Mm-hmm. in real life and mom was like my mother was also talking about she really likes the show we did the hall what was it daryl's house or something like that yeah, 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 yeah she was like i really liked it i said well it seems like it was kind of a way for him to pat his own back and mom was like why does it matter the music was good yeah well the mu- well the music was good and you think from daryl hall's perspective i mean i would do the same i mean like he's got that studio set up it's is there his place and everyone comes to him mm-hmm no, one hundred ten percent. And she was just kind of like, "Do I get his, you know, think about it?" I was like, "That's true. That's true." And I'm going to say something really wrong, but I'm a musician. Tib's a musician. There's a little bit of narcissism in all of us. Sure. I mean, if if you know, if you want to, it's one thing if you sit at home and you play guitar and you become a virtuoso and no one ever knows. That's one thing, and some people do that, and that's fine. But for a lot of us, what we want to do is learn to play and then show people we can do that. 
And like for me, even like basically learning the basis of the ukulele, how many videos have I posted to him? They've got so many likes and listens or whatever. And I basically know the basics. So, I mean, that has to be some form of like, you know, patting your own back, right? There's some. And so my mom was like, do I take it perspective? And I was like, that's true. If I were Daryl Hall, I'd probably do the same. Sure. I mean, it, it, it takes somewhat a different kind of person to stand on a stage and effectively show off, which is what you're doing. And to be fair, like if you can, why not flaunt what you got? Sure. I mean, I, I love it. I love to play. I love hanging out with the guys. I like doing the gigs. But, you know, there's an element of that you are a show off and you stand on a stage with a light on you and play stuff and hope people look at you. And that My is My favorite that is part it. about watching Tim play, though, if no one has watched Tim play, we'll have to post a video. Tim has never been someone who like moves or is like very like everybody look at me in life. But when you put Tim with a guitar, he changes. I've never saw anyone move more in five minutes than Tim with a guitar on a stage. He does not stay still in the best way possible. Tim cracks me up every time I watch you play because you move so much. Yeah, I just I just feel the, he feels I the feel, music. I feel the rock. The rock flows <laughs> rock flows through me. It's so, no, I love it. It's so like, I'm not judging him. I'm saying if you've never seen it, Tim takes like, he's such a, so Tim is one of those people who's, I wouldn't say you're an introvert. You're a little bit extroverted, but you're not like over the top extroverted, but you put a guitar in front of his body and he becomes a whole different person. It's very funny to watch. Also, I feel like, do you take your glasses off? Cause you're going to lose your glasses when you play. Well, I take my glasses off because I find that when I sweat, they slip down my face and it's annoying. So that makes sense. I and and plus I've had I've had incidents incidents before at, at pub gigs where I've played and then I've had you know, people come up to the front of the stage and wiggle my glasses and stuff. And I don't like that. So mm. I, I, I don't my eyesight isn't actually that bad. I only really have proper prescription in one eye. So if I take my glasses off, I can actually see, see pretty good. And plus, when a lot of bands started getting LED lighting, which is what mm. we have in this band and other bands I've been in, LEDs are incredibly efficient and incredibly bright. And what I found is that when you have LED lightings going on, often you can't really see much of the audience anyway. So I didn't. I decided to take the glasses off. And then it does have the kind of Batman with his cowl and uh, Superman with his glasses type thing. So like when I take the glasses off, I become a different character, maybe. That's how Tim becomes the musician. <laughs> I don't know, it's just very funny to me because I've watched you, like, many videos, posts you post. I've watched his YouTube channel. On Monday, he was on Freak Jam and they posted a video and everybody was going on about the stage. By the way, everybody was like, that's a huge stage, but the audience could fit into it. <laughs> Five <laughs> times a very small audience. But anyway, all right. So, I've, is it your song, Tim? It's your song, right? Yeah, I'm gonna. I need to choose. Is it you gonna choose me one, or I'm gonna choose you one? I can't. I can't. I've lost count. What did I? What song were we talking about? I feel like I gave you a song because it's Hollow Notes. Yes. There you go. All right. So it's my it's my, my turn to pick you a song. All right. Okay. So this is from 1980, which is the beginning of the golden decade, and this is Diana Ross's Upside Down. Okay. Tim picked this one specific because he knows I'm a Diana Ross fan. So true story, y'all. Your homegirl used to be on Twitch Sings, which is like a thing where you put all your videos and all this stuff. I got banned. Hear me out. I am not Diana Ross. I am not claiming I'm Diana Ross and I will never be Diana Ross. But I got banned. <laughs> Because I posted a video of me singing Upside Down and it was too close to the original and they banned me because they thought it was copyright. Well, would you look at that? <laughs> True story. I don't know what to think about that because I'm not Diana Ross, but homegirl may have some characteristics. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that, but... Yeah, I um, I got that song was taken down. I got banned. I got a, a shadow ban for like a week and couldn't go on because they basically thought I actually copyrighted the song and put it on. Would 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 you look at that? Look at you, your your uh, Christiansburg's answer to Diana Ross on the internet. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that, <laughs> Diana. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry so, was... so, so explain this to me. So. I know what Twitch is because it's a way that people broadcast video games. 
So there was a video game that was called Twitch Sings. And what they did was it was a karaoke style video game. And you had to go in and you you sang all these songs and you reached different levels. And then you were up here. Right. And mm-hmm. the more the higher you got, the more people watch. So I was like me, who I am. And, you know, I've, I've, I've very actively said I'm a hardcore singer. I love singing things. I think I've been doing it for years. I don't actually. You know what, Tim? I'm going to say something controversial in this podcast right now. I hate the fact that if you're a good guitar player, you're allowed to say you're a good guitar player. But if you're a good singer, you're not allowed to say it. Said what I said. Anyway, so what I was getting at is I used to do this. I used to broadcast my karaoke, this karaoke game on Twitch. And, and, and you would get views based on that and you'd go up in the ranks. I, pr- I got it pretty high. I was doing like a video every night, whatever. I did one that was upside down and I posted it. And when I posted it, I saved it and put it on like Twitch as a general, like everybody could see it. I was really proud of it. Thought it was really good. I was really happy with it. Well, a week later, I got a message from Twitch saying you've been banned because you copyrighted. Mind you, this is Twitch's game that they put out that, you know, there was a version upside down. You could see it said that they thought that it was the original Diana Ross version based off of my singing. And that blew my mind. And I got banned for a week and couldn't post anything. Hmm. There you go. And whatever happened to Twitch scenes? Did it, did it go away? It evaporated. Not enough people got into it. Funny story though. One time. So this is for everybody who's ever done a zoom chat from home or whatever. I was in here and I don't know what I was singing. And there were like three people watching me live or whatever. And I was getting it. I thought I was the hottest thing ever. So Charlie Austin, he walked in the room, not knowing what I was doing. And you just see him going, eh! And his shirt was off and everything. And he just like slowly backs out of the <laughs> camera like, hey. <laughs> I went to that Zoom chat and I just busted laughing. There was nothing you do because it was like that classic, you know what I'm talking about, Tim, when everybody like, oh no. And he didn't even react. He like one foot in the air and he just started backing up slowly. <laughs> I still remember that. I'm very sad Twitch things never became anything. It was a really fun program and they had all kinds of songs and for people who really enjoy singing, it was really fun. But yeah, the moral story is I once got banned because I thought Diana Ross was singing upside down and it was just me. There we go. <laughs> I don't think that Diana has any competition <laughs> with me, but you know, girl, we'll, we'll, we'll vocal duel it out tomorrow. <laughs> if you want to, I'll lose. All right, Tim, you want me to give you one more song? <laughs> yeah, I think what we'll do, um, do one, one more song for me and then I'll do one more song for you. And then we, we will wrap up this program. All right. Let me think about this. Cause I got a few choices. My song is only the good die young, Billy Joel. Okay, so it's funny, like Billy Joel, classic artist, one of his great songs. I've heard that song a hundred times. I've got it on various albums, live albums. But when you said only the good die young, my brain didn't go to Billy Joel, even though that was the song that you I know had what picked thinking. out. Yeah, I went to the Queen song called Only the Good Die Young. And that is a very unique Queen song because it is it has it has Brian Moe in it, Roger Taylor and John Deacon, but it doesn't have Freddie Mercury. It was the only song that was recorded by Queen without Freddie Mercury being involved. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the only reason that John Deacon agreed to it, because John Deacon towards the end of Queen in the 80s really wanted to be done with it. He'd had enough. He in the Magic Tour, their final tour. He, try, he actually tried to walk off the tour because he was done. And they had to send someone to the airport to go and get him because he just wanted to go back to his family, he wanted to go and have a normal life. He didn't want to be a rock and roll star. Mm. So, and, and the last show that he played at Nebworth, and that was pretty much it. And then they did the tribute concert, and he wanted to do that because he was honoring his friend. And then after that, he sold all his gear, and he said, peace, I'm out. And he said, you do what you want, call it what you like, I'm done. Makes sense. <laughs> However, however, only the good die young. They asked him to do it and he didn't want to do it because he said, I'm done. However, outside his house where he lives, I think he lives in Putney in London. Outside his house, roadworks were going on and Mm. it was very noisy. 
And he remembered that, you know, Tuesday or whatever it was, was the Queen recording date they asked him to do. And the only reason he went to the studio that day is because the roadworks outside his house were really noisy and annoying. And he decided, well, oh, I'll just hang out with the guys. I mean, it's no- there's a lot of noise here. It's annoying me. And that's the only reason he did it. Well, and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a good song. I mean, it's it's no, you know... Great. It's not an iconic Queen song, but it's still a good song. I like the song. I just, you know, I'm a big Billy Joel fan, so that's where my mind goes when I hear all of the good Diet Young. But, I mean, that's kind of a crazy story, though, is to think about, do you wonder, I always wonder about those situations where just if one thing would have changed, all of it would have changed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, one thing could have changed that would have changed the course of history forever. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. All right, Tim, what's your song for me? Okay, so we're going to close out with one last song for Joy. Now, this may be a obvious song choice, but I was just curious where Joy's mind was going to go <laughs> oh. when I mentioned this one. And this is from Michael Jackson, and this is, of course, Thriller. Hmm. Well, instantly what I think of is... There's a story to this. I think it's Thriller Dance. And the reason I think it's Thriller Dance, I think of the Thriller video and I think of the dance because it's iconic. And I just re- distinctly remember this in my childhood. And this is not to discredit anyone because when we're teenagers, we do stupid stuff, Tim. And our minds are dumb. But I remember. So I was, I've talked about this. I was in a show choir. I was, a, we would have you know, I was in musicals for hours. So we would do like our musical and the last final night after, you know, six weeks of all this craziness, right? You know, all these shows and stuff like that. And Tim, I know you've been in bands. You understand once you get to the end, sometimes it can be a little stressful. So Mm -hmm. after our final, we would have our, we'd have her after cast party, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a high school after cast party. So there wasn't like anything crazy going on, but I remember, um, you know, we've got a lot of people who are musicians and people who are in choir and people who play guitars and sing and dance. You know, you got musicians. Um, and they were playing like Soldier Boy or the Cupid Shuffle or something like that, right? Just these distinctly um, early 2000s kind of line dances. Well, Thriller came on. And there's this one girl, her name is Faith. Bless Faith's heart. She knew what she was doing. She killed Thriller. And I remember these these very pretentious high school cheerleaders judging her for knowing Thriller as bad as she did. I distinctly remembered it in my brain that she knew Thriller and no one else in that room knew Thriller as well as she did. And wherever you, wherever you were at Faith right now, girl, I'm with you, soul sister. And when I think about that, I think about the fact that they thought they were super cool because like we had did Soldier Boy and the Cupid Shuffle or whatever. And there was one girl in the room who knew Thriller. And I mean, I mean, I knew Thriller, but this girl knew Thriller. And they judged her or were so mean to her. And to this day, I don't know where Faith is. I don't know what she's doing. Girl killed it. Killed it. Well, we. Well, I, would, I would like to dedicate this podcast <laughs> To Faith, wherever you are, this one is for you. Because, I mean, Thriller. Exactly. Like, who doesn't love Thriller? And it was so funny because I was so at that moment in my life that I, I, was, I was just, like, rolling my eyes at them because I thought it was ridiculous. But I also didn't know Thriller as much as Faith, so I also didn't want to look like a dummy beside her because she's way better than I was. But it, it just goes to show you, people don't know about music sometimes. Exactly. All right. Faith, if you're listening, this one's for you. (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.